All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 10 of the Daily Face-Off Fancy Podcast. It's the second time in two days, three days, that you've heard from us. I'm your host, Brock Segan. we got Dylan D. Berthium back with us. Welcome, D. How's it going? Good, Brock. Happy to be here. Nowhere else I would rather be in the world than right here, right now, talking fantasy hockey with you lot. At least we actually have a somewhat good... Thursday night football game to watch. We've got a bunch of hockey games to watch as well. So, yep. what do they call it when all four sports are going at the same time? It's a sport. It's some equinox. 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 Yeah, That's sports. We're going equinox. through one of those. Or yeah. first time, or only the twenty seventh time, I think ever. Yeah, I don't really get it because equinox happens like twice a year. So, twenty seventh time ever. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, very interesting day in sports. But all right, let's get right into fantasy hockey. We don't need to. Um, really beat around the bush too much anymore because we do three episodes a week we're just always talking hockey yeah. with you guys so what we're doing today um, if you didn't see it on twitter we reached out to our fellow listeners and asked them to give us their level of panic on uh, some of these slower starters around the nhl guys that um you know we're drafted early we're not just talking about guys who just like we don't care about in fantasy that aren't doing well it's just the guys that were drafted early naughty not the best start to the season for them and then just how worried are our listeners, and then how worried we are. So we're going to break down each player, talk about our um, level of concern, and then the level of concern of the listeners. So we each gave a 
Level of concern out of one, one through 10, one being not concerned at all, 10 being very concerned. So we've got all three of our levels of concern. We've got an average level of concern very and concerned. the fans level of concern. So, so much concern going around on today's yeah. show. So we are going to start with Jonathan Huberdo. Uh, Jonathan Huberdo obviously made the move to the Calgary Flames in the offseason. It hasn't been a terrible start, but you would like to see a little bit more. Three assists in three games is very Jonathan Huberdo-esque. Um, but just two shots on goal, and the real issue for me is the fact that he's only played 16, 19 average time on ice through three games. I think a little bit of that has to do with the fact that the uh, Flames have been pretty much in control the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they had a uh, basically a 5-1 lead against the uh, Avalanche. They went up 3 or 4-1 against the, the Oilers. And then they had a little bit of a comeback battle on their hands against the Vegas Golden Knights. But they've um, maybe limited his ice time a little bit just due to fact, kind of just like the way the games have played out. Um, he's been essentially game scripted out of games, which you don't normally see in hockey. But um, So my level of concern is at a 1. I am not concerned at all about Jonathan Huberdeau. I think that we all expected some growing pains moving into a new team, moving into a new system. So at this moment in time, I mean, he's still on pace for 82 assists, which... He led the NHL with 85 last year. So my level of concern is zero or, well, one. Um, D, we didn't get to hear from you on Wednesday. So where are you at here with Jonathan Huberto? Uh, I got him at a two, essentially just for the reason that you outlined it. You know, I, I don't think there's much concern at all because I, I do expect that ice time to grow because, um, you know, you don't give up the assets they gave up and sign into that extension without, obviously, um you know, game planning for more than 60 minutes a night out of Jonathan Huberto. So yeah, he's used to playing up around 18, 19 minutes a night. Um, certainly expect him to get back there, but I couldn't leave it at one just because they're obviously, if that were to continue, um, it would be a general concern, right? And he is kind of lagging behind his line mates as well. So yeah, we'll see. I expect it, like I said, to take a turn and be up around 18, 19 minutes in no time, but I, I couldn't quite leave it at a one because, like I said, if and like you said, obviously if that doesn't improve, um, that would be a concern. But, yeah, I expect him to get more ice. Yeah, and I think uh, the one kind of glaring thing that Brock talked about there was the shots. Um, I, I got him as, as a one. Uh, D could have convinced me to get him to a two there, but, uh, but I, so we'll, we'll go 1.5. But I got him, I got him right there. Um, the shot thing, he had 222 last year. It's not like something we're going to run into this season. He's gotten over 200 shots three times in his career. Um, so expect that to kind of hop up. And when it does, uh, it, it, you know, the, the production is going to come and, and, and that'll come along with the more ice time. Hopefully either way though, he hasn't played below, uh, 17 minutes in seven seasons, eight seasons. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to suddenly so, just play 17. Yeah. Minutes. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's a product for success that Calgary is just going to find. Um, so yeah, so I'm not too worried about Hero. The fact that we're even talking about him, uh, I think makes it a great uh, a great topic that um, people might be worried about Huberto. And if they are in any way, and you can somehow well, if you them want to them, if you want to know how it. worried yeah. the fans are, how, how do the fans feel about Jonathan? The fans have their level of concern for Jonathan Huberto at a three point eight, so okay. a little bit higher than us. But um, find over- the guy who switched the ratings for us up a bit, who put it as like a five there, because there's going to be a lot of ones in the rating. Find that find that guy who had the five and uh, start throwing some deals at him. We're going to talk about 13 names on this list. And of the 13 names, the level of concern is the lowest. People are worried about Huberto, though. I was was gaming with a buddy last night, and mid-game, he received an offer, Suzuki, for Huberto. So he was getting Huberto? He He was getting Huberto, yeah. He had Suzuki. And like just out of the blue, he was like, would you do Huberto for Suzuki? And I was like, 
if I'm getting Huberto. And he's yes. like, I should probably just accept this before he comes yeah. to his senses. And I'm like, yeah. I would, I would yeah, have you to should. start like asking. I would be like, what are the cats? Are there yeah. face-offs? Is there yeah. something that I'm missing? I mean, yeah, Suzuki's obviously off to a great start. And, but yeah, I'm just no, saying that's the kind of panic that saying, you yeah. can maybe get out of a Huberto owner right now. Because yeah. obviously he, he costs like, you know, a late first round pick, early yeah, second so rounder. His, his ADP was 12. Um, <laughs> Nick Suzuki's was 159. Yeah, beautiful. that's a big, that's a lot of draft day value to just unload uh, three Instant. games into this. I season. really hope Instant. the guy who, made, who offered that trade and had the trade go through isn't listening to the show. He's going to be driving to work tomorrow, <laughs> middle of the Middle Express. Very I like, think oh. anytime you send an offer out of the blue and it gets accepted within five minutes, like there's some yeah, regret that creates it. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's like, I maybe shouldn't have sent that offer. What have I done? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a little bit too early in the season just to be completely offloading your, yeah, your but first I mean, round so pick. A lot of these guys, I think, are going to be good by low candidates as well, and Huberto's a, a perfect example of that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I recommend necessarily firing off Nick Suzuki for Jonathan yeah. Huberto offers because I think you might get laughed at. But hey, if you're not worried about the the laughs, unless you're the guys penalty I, I mean, shots, or if it's a Habs fan, you never know. Yeah, Suzuki scored another one tonight. So um, penalty shot goal, crazy. Yeah, yeah. and First everyone's comparing it to Pavel Datsuk. So Ooh. so uh, must can't be, wait to watch that. Must be pretty. Yeah. So all right, that's our level of concern. Overall, we are at a 1.3. The fans are at a 3.8. Let's move to Roman Yossi, somebody that I was very, very high on coming into the season. I'm very, very high on him every single season. And currently, our level of concern on average is a 3.7. The fans are at a 4.4 for Roman Yossi right now. He comes in uh, with just one assist, minus two rating, 21 shots on goal, playing almost 25 minutes a night. But one assist through five games. I don't know if he's got on the scoreboard tonight. I don't believe he has. Um, So... He's looking at one assist through six games if nothing changes uh, through tonight. But my level of concern, I have him at a three. Uh, I, and it, honestly, none of it really has to do with Roman Yossi. Um, we talked about a lot in the preseason about how the Predators really had just everybody shoot at an all-time high percentage last year. And they needed a lot of things to go well for them to to kind of repeat what they were able to do last year. So we, coming into the season, were already a little bit concerned about um, Yossi's assist totals coming down, but he still remains one of the elite goal producers. And 21 shots through five games, that's 40 or 4.2 shots per game. That's on pace for 344 shots. So that would by far and away be his career high. Again, I doubt he's going to continue to shoot quite at this clip, but it just goes to show that he will press towards 300 shots this year. And if he does, he's going to score 20 goals. So even if his assist totals come down a little bit, my level of concern is a three, but um, I'm not looking to offload Romaniosi. But as you mentioned, a lot of the guys we're going to talk about today are by low candidates. Um, D, we'll start with you again here because you have the highest level of concern here for Romaniosi at a five. So you're higher than the fan average. Yeah, this is a guy that I, I think I actually would be looking to move if I had him and could get something close to his draft day value. Because um, as you know, I wasn't quite as high on Yossi coming into this season, simply for the reasons you highlighted, Brock. Uh, Duchesne, Forsberg, a lot of these guys uh, had a career best in shooting percentage last year. Duchesne was 18%. Forsberg was around the same. Um, so yeah, I just didn't think he'd be able to really get anywhere close to the 73 assists he had last year. Um previous career high before that was 49 um and the other thing as well he shot a career best 8.2 percent so a guy overall that we thought there was a lot of regression it seems like it might be hitting this team pretty hard and you know if Forsberg and Duchesne aren't 
driving in at least a goal a game from that top line. I think this is a team that in general could have some difficulty scoring. So his shot volume is great. I still think as far as goal scoring goes, he's going to be one of the best in the back end. But in order to justify where he was going on draft day, he needs to be closer to a point per game. Um, whereas right now with everything kind of as it's headed right now, I kind of see him finishing more of what we were used to seeing out of him, like 15 goals, 40 assists, still very reliable and very valuable, but I don't think he's going to be able, doesn't look as if he's going to be able to return value on his draft day price at this point and be like within that top tier of defensemen with Hedman and McCarr or just on the cusp of it, like we had him, um, kind of in the preseason. So he's someone that I would move because if you can get anywhere close to draft day value, you're really not taking any risk. Um, so yeah, he's someone that I would look to move. Not, I'm not off selling him, but if I can get close to it, I'm, I'm moving him. Yeah. If he were to get back to a point per game, he would have to put up what? 81 points through his next 70, 70 set, or yeah. 75 games. Um, well, points. even from here on out, like yeah, I said, I don't, I just, just don't think he's going to have that yeah, consistent. That's assist. uh that's quite hard to do as a defenseman, let alone uh, a defenseman on a team like Nashville. Um, we, we went over eight years before just how that team kind of, isn't necessarily a scoring empire um, by any means. So, yeah, I, I, had, I had Yossi at a three, uh, much like Brock. Um, kind of, you know, same thing that you guys said. I, I guess I just, uh, I don't feel it as heavy, but but these things do worry me. I personally don't have any shares in Yossi. If I did, I would probably be sweating a little bit more, um, but I just couldn't have justified jumping that high at him uh, for a guy who plays on Nashville, regardless of what he did last year. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, not to, not to to, to re re go at it, but twenty one shots through five games, um, very nice from a defenseman. But uh, but yeah, I I would start to worry, you know, if you were one of those guys who built your team and grabbed a couple goalies, and then now you're looking at at small amounts of points. ADP uh, was twenty point five, so end of the second round. Yeah, that's you, uh, I, I there's a lot of other names I would have rather had, considering there's guys like Panner and I believe going around that time, uh, Pasternak, who are both almost. At 10 points. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not to compare uh, apples to oranges, but, yeah, for uh, for me, I do think that, you know, we're not going to get last year's Roman Yossi. We're starting to see that. Um, but at the same time, Yossi last year well, he should have won the Norris. Absolute nuts during the second half. Um, I do. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But they were I, I do believe if we would have did kind of a similar segment after 20 games, people would have had concern then. Um, and then he ended up, you know, just going straight bonkers for the, the rest of the season. So, Maybe he's just he's making that his thing. Maybe that's maybe that's Romaniosi's thing. Yeah, and like I said, I you know I still think he's gonna be very valuable. I think he's mm-hmm. probably you know one of the best bets to lead defenseman and goal scoring from here on out. But uh, I didn't feel great about him returning value on that ADP just before the season starts, and I really don't feel good about it now. So yeah, if I can get anywhere close to that draft day value for him, I'd be looking to move him. Uh, just to go back, fifty-seven games. His final fifty-seven games of the year last year, he had seventy-six points in his final fifty-seven games. And then just to uh, point out, last year the um, Predators were top six in the NHL with a ten-point-seven on a shooting percentage as a team. They're down to eight-point-three-three in the early segments of this season. So six lowest sh- uh, shooting percentage as a team this year. So if that continues to be a trend, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to pick up helpers moving forward. All right. It's unfortunate, but we have to now talk about our boy, Timo Meyer. Didn't want to. Off to a bit of a sluggish start here. And the level of concern is fairly high among the fans. 5.4 level of concern for Timo Meyer. Unsurprisingly, not the same level of concern from 
the boys. I have him at a one. Dylan has him at one. Biebs has him at a three. So, Biebs, we'll start with you. Let me just roll yeah. through his points really quick here. Go for it. Coming into tonight, I don't know if he has anything yet tonight. I don't believe he does. But coming into tonight, he had one assist, a minus four rating, exact same amount of shots on goal as Roman Yossi, 21, and he's been playing over 19 minutes a night again. So, uh, the shot volume is certainly there. He's currently shooting 0%, which yes. is sustainable. Probably something that's not going to continue throughout the course of the season. But um, you have him at a level three, mm-hmm. a little bit higher than us. Why mm-hmm. are you a little bit more concerned about Timo than we are? Yeah, uh, Love, you know, we're kind of looking at like love what we're seeing from Timo as far as shooting. Um, thing that's really scared me here, San Jose, after five games, and this is the strongest sample we have out of the league because they've played the most games. Currently sits at 1.6 goals per game. Uh, their power play is just, I mean, obviously Team of Meyer shooting 0% doesn't help, but their power play is also firing at about a 5% rate at the moment. That has them placed 30th. When your power play is not doing anything and your overall scoring really isn't doing anything, it kind of scares me just for fantasy because we love a guy who can collect, you know, a secondary apple here and there. And if you're really not getting much production around you, it's uh, it gets a little, it gets a little scary. Uh, the waters in San Jose are, uh, are a little murky right now, but, um, it, things are going to get better. So I think, uh, that's why I'm not panicking completely. If, uh, if I was really, really worried about this offense, I would have it higher than a three, but at the moment, um, three is there for me. And that's, uh, it's kind of like Yossi. It's nothing to do with, uh, with the player themselves. It's more to do with the team around them. And uh, that adds up. Yeah, San Jose uh, sucks a little right now. Not a good hockey club at the moment. Nope. Um, they are playing quite good against the Rangers tonight as we speak, but um, one game in a six-game sample is not uh, you know, really the end-all, be-all. But yeah, for me, it's just the fact that he still has 21 shots in five games. Yeah. Again, not 100% sure what he's got tonight. No sh- uh, no points, but five shots. Five shots, so, so just, a ru- just a routine night. More of the same for Timo. Yeah, Meyer. it's just not surprising either. Like He is a volume shooter. He's got a career 9.9 shooting percentage, so... Um, it's unfortunate that it happened right away, but you know you kind of expect these dry spells to come with Meyer because, like we said, he's he's never really converted on his chances at a great rate. He, he more just creates them and, and gets a ton of shots off. And um, yeah, you just gotta stay patient. Know it'll come. I agree that team's not great, but I do think that top line and the power play should be yeah. able to to still do some damage this year. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about him. I think he's a great buy low right now. Yeah, he's a terrific buy low. And again, um, he's on pace for like 340 shots. Even if he shoots 9.9% from here on out, he'd still get to 35 goals over 82 games, which is what he scored last year in what we you know called yeah. a He just needs season. a little bit of puck luck, honestly, and he'll score 45. But uh, apparently this year will not be the year that happens. Yeah, 1.8 on ice shooting percentage at the moment as well. So lots Ooh, of... Comically bad. Yeah, yes. like something that... It's you, like Duncan Keith. I, I'm not sure I've ever even seen it, to be honest yeah. with you. But... Um, um, yeah, not worried about Timo. I've got him at one. Overall, our level of concern for Timo Meyer is 1.7, a lot lower than the fans who are at 5.4. Patrick Kane is one of the players we appear to be the most concerned about and one of the players the fans appear to be the most concerned about. In fact, he is the second highest level of concern among the fans um, coming into this episode at a 6.1 out of 10 for the fans. So I have him at a 5. Biebs has him at a 5. D, you've got him at a 3. So our level of concern between the three of us is a 4.3. So not quite as high as the fans, but still there's a little bit of concern. And um, this is kind of going to just continue the theme of what we've been talking about. Great player on a really bad team. Mm-hmm. Um the Predators aren't a bad team. They just aren't going to sustain what they did last year. And the Sharks are are bad, but they're not as bad as the Blackhawks. I'm just 
I wasn't super high on Kane coming into the season. In fact, uh, D, I think you probably swayed me a little bit uh, on um, Kane, you know, more and more throughout the draft process. And so much so, and I think as also a product of where he was just kind of continuing to fall in drafts, yeah. I ended up getting him in every single one of my leagues. When I went into drafts, which Brock is absolutely... I just went in with like no expectations of getting him, and he just kind of kept falling to me in the fourth. And you'd look at, look around at who else was there in the fourth, fifth round. And you're like, yeah, I'll just take Patrick Kane. Here. Yeah. So uh, he's only got one assist through three games. Has nine shots though, which is a nice sign. Three shots per game is nice from Kane. He's only playing 19 minutes a night, which is a little bit bizarre. Um, my level of concern is is again, it's fairly modest. I've got him out of five. You know, I'm just mostly worried about the players around him. A, a trade for Patrick Kane can't really come soon enough. Um, so hopefully. You know the Rangers step up and go get their man. Um, I saw some uh, I saw some tweets that said that the Avalanche need to uh-huh. LTIR uh, Landis Cog, just keep him out for the whole season, and then go get Patrick Kane, and then bring Landis Cog back for the playoffs. That's uh, that's what they need, really. That, that would be that, insane. That's exactly what they need after winning the cup without him last year. Yeah. Um, Could you imagine though? Yeah. That would be absolutely no, bonkers. But um, uh, yeah. do your level of concern is the lowest out of the three. You're obviously the highest on him coming into the uh, season as well. So just continues to sell us on why you love Patrick Kane outside of the fact that he has like you know 18 right. or 1200 career points yeah I mean that's a big part of it but it, I have met a three right it's not a one so there is some concern there you know I was a little more hopeful that he would still be able to comfortably operate above a point per game um, because he's that good in Chicago the supporting cast is pretty pretty terrible so I don't know if that's going to be the case but 3.8 on ice shooting percentage like that is going to get much, much better. I think he'll still be comfortably a point per game player while he's with the Blackhawks, which to me, I, I think is probably still returning value on his ADP. And then he's got a lot more upside than that uh, when he does get traded, which we all expect to happen this season. So um, yeah, you know, I think maybe the returns over the first couple months of the season, maybe not quite on the, you know, the Patrick Kane 95, hundred point pace that we're used to seeing out of him, but like I said, I'm, I'm confident that he'll have no problem being a point-per-game player so long as he's in Chicago. His shot volume's still there. He's still creating a lot of chances. Um, they're just not getting tucked away right now. I don't expect that to get a whole lot better, but it'll get a lot. It'll get better than 3.6% for sure. It should be up around 10% as on ice before too long, uh, and the apples will start to pile in. So, yeah, I think he's still a safe bet for a point-per-game with Chicago and then a lot more upside uh, once the move does hopefully happen. It's a big contract to move midseason, um, but it sounds like there's enough interest out there that'll get done. It would be hard to not be a team out there that wants to compete for a Stanley Cup if you've got some cap room. And yeah, want and to- I, they seem to really want to move him. Yeah, they're um, So I think if it comes down to it and they need to eat half the cap hit, like obviously you can do that for three months, right? It's not going to affect, mm-hmm. um, you know, their team building in any way. So they can eat, you know, four million of that, and then it's much more easier for a team to take on. And yeah, I, I think you know they would definitely if it gets to that point and it's you know either retain or 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 eat them. I, I think they would retain them. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, who, when that happens, though, who knows? That's what's actually kind of fueling my ranking is just realistically when he gets moved. Because if mm-hmm. it is later in the season and you're fighting for a playoff spot, you realistically might not get many weeks out of him, not on Chicago, yeah. if he does get dealt. At the same time, um, I was one of the heaviest preachers at the beginning of the year saying, you know, this guy is going to get moved. I thought it'd be a little bit sooner rather than later. Uh, he's clearly, a, he sticks out like a store, sore thumb there because he can actually stick handle. Uh, <laughs> it, it's wild. But uh, <laughs> nah, it's Just a little dragging bit, a little the bit black mean on Chicago. But no, they have seven goals through three games to start the year. It's a little bit terrifying when you when you just look at some of the names around uh, around them. I'm honestly more surprised that Chicago isn't claiming every single player that gets waived. But I think it's because, you know, they're really trying to push this fail for Bedard thing home. 
Uh, I think the biggest, craziest thing that stands out to me about Patrick Kane is he's currently a plus one on that team. Uh, <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, they got absolutely destroyed by the Colorado Avalanche in their first game. Uh, I would have thought that that would have just collectively, as a team, taken uh, a lot of them down. But I do believe there's four power play goals in that game. So that, 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 that lines up. up. I think uh, I, I'm not super worried if you have Kane. I wouldn't suggest trading him because, you know, it's, uh, it's going to get better no matter what. Yeah. The nine shots on goal is whatever. We'll take three a game from Kane. Um, yeah, so I have him at a five. And the five isn't so much for Patrick. It's more for the Chicago GM. Uh, you know, if he wants to make that move real quick, my concern goes down quite a bit. But uh, but if he's not going to make that move anytime soon, Max Domi as your starting center isn't necessarily the uh, the hottest piece for me. That's kind of where I was with the concern with for for me is it's again it's small sample size. Yeah. It's only been about forty minutes. He's still, like, um, still they haven't been very good. Um, a one point nine nine expected goals four per sixty, twenty one scoring chances four per sixty. Um, just really poor rates. Again, small sample size, couple tough matchups early on, but you need a little bit more out of Max Domi. Um, if Patrick Kane's going to kind of right this ship here uh, moving forward. But I, again, I'm not crazy concerned. I've got him on a lot of teams. I'm not looking to move him yet. But I mean, if somebody comes comes crawling in for, uh, you know, still thinks it's Patrick Kane, then fine with me. But yeah. All right. Marit Sider comes in next. <laughs> not a whole lot of concern from us. I have him at a one. Dylan's got him at a one. Beebs, you got him at a three. Mm-hmm. Average concern level for us is 1.7. The fans, um, unsurprisingly... A lot more concerned uh, yes. than we are. They have about a five at the moment. To me, it's, you know, the Red Wings just look like a pretty good hockey club. Sider's still playing 22 minutes a night. He's still on the top power play unit. His shot volume continues to be really, really strong. He's averaging um, just under three shots, per, or just under four shots per game, excuse me. So it's going to come. Uh, I think that this Red Wing team is, is a lot better than they were last year. So if anything, I think he has a chance to be even a little bit better than he was uh, a season ago. On a shooting percentage is 10.6 right now. So to see him with zero assists is a little bit uh, mm-hmm. funny. But it's, it's three games. Shit like that's going to happen. Oddities are going to pop up here and there. So yeah. not concerned at all. D, I don't think that there's anything from you that, that really is drawing a red flag for you either as a, at a one level of concern no i i'm if anything i'm happy with the start i like to see him get all the minutes that he's getting the usage uh you know firmly on that top power play unit the team looks good which is encouraging for him um and he's got 11 shots on goal in three games so no like i, I don't know this is a guy that you know um i was kind of expecting to be around that 50 points he put up last year maybe 55 this year you know i'm not expecting a big jump so the fact that he hasn't picked up an assist or a point at all in the first three games does not have me concerned yeah, realistically, any player could go through a three-game dry spell during the regular season. Especially and you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear a peep about it. Like I said, we're expecting yeah. a point every other game. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that he hasn't got one. And uh, I think the reason that I have him at three is actually Brock kind of highlighted it to it. I just think Detroit's a better team this year. Uh, he's playing two less minutes than he did last year. Again, three games in, all it takes is one game at 26, and he's right back there at the same averages. But uh, with those two less minutes, I think that there's just better bot. There's he doesn't have to eat 25. They like definitely he did have a last year. Um, so in that regard, I think my realistically my worry meter is there more because of how high people drafted him, and I think they expected. A lot I think of people that was drafted th- him for upside. Yeah, but yeah. that was also all a lo- like heavily fueled by banger yeah. leagues. Oh, big time. Bangers. He's been good there too. With oh, bangers, he's been block uh, shots. Like, absolutely thrown the. So I feel like that's so. what he was getting drafted for. Yeah. Like I said, he's returning value on seven that. hits. Yeah. So far. Yeah, yeah, you would have liked to see him pick up an apple in those first three games. I think he makes like one of the best buy low candidates right now because there's a lot of people who don't necessarily watch Red Wings game or won't necessarily. They're only playing fantasy, so they're just looking at the numbers. Yeah, and uh, they wouldn't realize, you know, at this. Guy, everything goes through Mo Sider. You know, um, I, I think he's a good buy low too because 
you had like it would have been very difficult to get him in the draft yeah. process because he was going so early and now maybe a sluggish start. Like you got people trading Jonathan Huberto. Yeah. So if if someone were to offer like I'm not saying that it would happen, but if someone offers someone Shane Gossisberry who has two goals and three assists right now. Yeah, that's that probably could, not getting accepted. It, it but might I not mean, happen, but if you throw him in a forward with them, someone's looking at that, they're going, I'm, I'm getting zero points from this D-man. You're giving me a guy with five points. Not to necessarily say that could happen, but there are names out there that are putting up kind of odd numbers. Uh, so you might be able to sneak one or two D under someone's nose and uh, and bring in Mo Siders. And if you can convince someone that, hey, you know, he's he, it, w- it was a one-off, then, uh, then yeah, I don't think you're going to convince anyone of that, but... You could try. Yeah. You could definitely uh, one more game at zero points, and people are going to start shitting the bed. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, we have Sam Reinhart. Our level of concern combined is a two. Yes. The fans have him at a 5.3. I'm actually the highest on Sam Reinhart at a three. Um, I, I just, I've just never been a big Sam Reinhart fan. I think this is more just like, yeah, I don't really like him that much. No, I think he is playing 21 Buffalo. minutes with Barkoff, though. He has 11 shots in four games. Verhage looks great. Verhage scored two goals yesterday. Reinhardt doesn't factor in at all. Um, so yeah, like if he continues to play 21 minutes with Barkov, it's gonna things are gonna happen for him. I, I again another we could say it about pretty much every guy we're gonna talk about today. Goodbye, low candidate. Um, I just was never gonna have him on my teams where he was being drafted. Where now, if you can offload somebody who you drafted a little bit later, picked up off the wire, who got off to a good start, then fine with me. If you're playing 21 minutes a night with Barkov. I'll take that. I just, he's not, he doesn't shoot the pocket ton. Relies he, on the helpers a little bit more. Yeah, but he is shooting a lot right now. So he, I know it's, that's I, why I'm not concerned at all. Cause like his ice time is up. He's playing 21 minutes a night and like, heavily, boom, that's great. Cause we didn't know how that top six was going to shake out this year. He's playing with Barkov on the top line, playing on the power play unit. Um, so yeah, I, 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 as far as like the underlying numbers go, a lot of great signs here. And this is a guy that you definitely, um, expect to not only you know dig himself out of the zero percent shooting percentage hole he's in right now, but also really drive it up and, and probably get hot and, and make up for the slow start. He's a career fourteen point one percent shooter, seventeen point seven percent last year, nineteen point two percent the year before. Um, he's also the guy that I said was shooting over forty percent for yeah. two seasons, and he also play. misses the net with like a disordinate amount of shots. Yeah. So he hunts corners. You notice sure. that too. Eh? Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense. You see it a lot with some of these guys that do sit, shoot at a high clip. Cause yeah, they're not aiming for the middle of the net. So, uh, yeah. And he's got 11 shots on net on 27 shot attempts so far. So to be below 50% at any point of the season is, is, is pretty funny. So he's hunting corners. The goals will come. Uh, I feel good about it. He's getting a lot of shooting opportunities. If he keeps playing, like, anyone who plays on Barkov's wings becomes fantasy relevant. Absolutely. Like he's just that dominant at even strength and drives play that much that if you can bang the puck in the net, you're going to be fantasy relevant. And Reinhardt's a lot more than just that. So yeah, I think he's a great by low, not concerned at all. I needed you around when I was playing travel hockey, because it would have been great to hear when I missed the net, like four times a game, like, Oh, he's just trying to pick a corner. Um, because, uh, Nobody, no, I, I no, agree. No coach ever wants yeah, to say, it, but it's yeah. the truth. But, uh, with Sam Reinhardt, when you're talking about a guy who can pop talk 40 in the, the NHL, he is legit, uh, picking corners not just me trying to raise a puck but uh <laughs> I, I think another thing that's nice for sam reinhardt and it's not necessarily nice for the other player here uh is anthony claire is currently injured uh that would be one player you know who they kind of shuffled in and out of that position last year maybe even would have put on that line but with him not coming back for a couple months reinhardt's gonna he's gonna stick there um he's gonna stick in that top six even if it isn't necessarily with barkov but like you said Power play time with barkov's always a beautiful thing unfortunately you know there's some injuries in uh um, in Florida, but fortunately, like D said, Reinhardt likes to shoot the puck. So did Aaron Ekblad. Now there's a new, uh, 
I'd say I think he moves up the ladder on the on the sh- uh, on the shooting option ladder. We'll go on Florida power plays. So I think Sam Reinhart's in a very okay spot here. It's not like you're really losing a uh, a crazy passer in. Uh, in oh, he is a crazy passer. Uh, oh, in Ekblad, in Ekblad, sorry, yeah, yeah. off the power play. That's what I mean. Like if you're if you're putting Forsling, if you're putting Montour there instead of Ekblad, it's not a massive loss. Where I mean, uh, for Reinhart's numbers, where now he, like I said, might be looking to shoot a little bit more. Yeah, which I really like for him. So you know what. Don't worry uh, if you have Sam Reinhardt. He also started off incredibly cold last year. A lot of people were panicking and then ended up pulling off that uh, over a point per game. So. Do you want to talk about a player who likes to shoot the puck on the power play? Because Brent Burns is that guy. Oh, I thought you were going Evan Bouchard. Brent Burns, level of concern from Brock, one. Level of concern from Dylan, one. <laughs> level of concern from Beebs, one. So, needless to say, the boys are not concerned about Brent Burns. Playing on, you know, arguably the best team in hockey right now. So um, they look very good. A, lo- a very trendy uh, Stanley Cup pick coming into the season. Oftentimes, that those trendy Stanley Cup picks don't, you know, they kind of flame out. But so far, so good for the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and our boy Brent Burns. Twelve shots on goal through three games. It's been a theme. A lot of guys averaging four shots per game so far, and Brent Burns is one of them, which is not surprising. But it's nice to see that bounce back because his shots yeah. dipped quite a bit and. That's why we liked him so much. Moving to uh, Carolina, where he was being drafted, he was tremendous value. So if you factor in the, the draft value, like the level of concern is a negative one because yeah. like you, you you did invest very much in this guy anyway. He was like, you're drafting him as your second defenseman anyways. You don't need him to carry the load. Everything he gives you is, is just, you know, gravy. So the only like little bit of concern you could maybe have is his ice time. He was playing 26, 25 minutes in, to Carolina. in San Jose. But yeah, they just have a much better blue line. He's down to 23 and it's still early. And that, that's why it's a good start for Burns because that was like the only concern you could have is that, you know, his last, I think, yeah, his last seven seasons, he was 25 and a half minutes on ice on average in San Jose. And we knew that wasn't going to be the case in Carolina. Uh, I didn't think it'd be as high as it is still at almost 23 minutes. So that's encouraging. Um, and we were hopeful that with the extra, you know, uh, offensive zone time that comes on playing on such a puck dominant team like Carolina, that the shot volume would not be affected by the average or yeah, by the loss in time on ice. And it's gone the opposite direction. So it's all great to see. He's shooting the puck a ton. He should continue to get a lot more opportunities and, um, if he's not playing as many minutes, maybe we see a little bit higher quality of Brent Burns at this mm-hmm. point in his career too. Cause yeah, 26 minutes is a lot to ask out of a 37 year old yeah. defenseman. So I, yeah, it's a great start. I'm happy with Burns and the production he's put out to this point, one assist in three games. Let's take that. I think, you know, he's going to be creep into the top 12, 10 defense fantasy defenseman before the end of the year. So if you can get him now, uh, before that value creeps up too much, it's, he's a good target. Yeah. We're literally just getting Dougie Hamilton, but in Brent Burns, body a couple years later, uh, and do you nailed my exact point that I was going to go for. Usually I don't push for less ice time, but when we're talking about protected minutes um, and a guy, like you said, 37 years old, doesn't hurt to have four minutes less when you're real. Like they're, they're only That's what I mean. like using he's, him for, he's probably getting more offensive zone yeah, time exactly. despite playing three minutes. Cause less he doesn't because have he's to lock Carolina. down the other team's yeah. top guys. You got someone uh, named, named just Slavin to, to just to that, give so you guys uh well, he is playing with Slavin though. Yeah. Um, but just to give you guys an idea, offensive zone starts for like basically the last two years was around 43%. This year it's at 68%. And like I said, just in general, like the puck's going to be in the opposition end more often than not when you're playing on Carolina. And that yeah. was not the case for in the last few years in San Jose. And Rod Brindamore literally said, like, we absolutely love this guy. Um, I wish we would have got him sooner 
Like, he is an absolute specimen. Yeah. So Rod loves him. He's going to play him a ton. He's going to anchor that top power play unit, which is very, very good. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think we need to talk about him too much because, yeah, I think just by saying level of concern, one, 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 one across the board is, is good enough. All right. From somebody we are not concerned about at all to somebody that we are quite concerned, uh, actually the highest level of concern of any player that we are about to talk about, and that's Evan Bouchard. And it's his birthday. Ouch. Sorry, oh, Evan. Um, Evan, happy birthday I, I think maybe a little bit of this has to do with the fact that we were so high on him coming in, and, and so was a lot of people. Um, well, it's just gone so far in the other It's direction. gone so far the other way. What we were anticipating is maybe some power play one time, maybe some increased minutes. He's playing almost four less minutes than he was a season ago. He yep. has not sniffed the top power play unit for more than a couple seconds. True. Shaw volume is still a very, very good He's a dash four. He forgot to throw that in the yeah, negatives. He's a, he's a minus four um, on a very good Edmonton team. Yeah. They aren't playing very good, though. He right has now. a two and a half on ice shooting percentage on a very good Edmonton team, which is bonkers. Hard to do. Bonkers. Um, I guess the only non concerning thing is, like you said, the shot volume, and it still kind of points to if he gets that opportunity, you know, it'll come. I just, we were hoping that if he didn't get the opportunity, like he'd, I mean, not just hoping, assuming he'd still be around 20 minutes a night. So yeah. beginning time with the second unit uh, and have no problems, you know, holding fantasy relevance until he gets that job. And then the upside kicks in, right? Where now it's at the point, it's like, are you rostering him? If he's playing 15, 16 minutes a night, waiting around for that upside, or are you okay? You know, letting him go uh, because it, one, it may not come, you know, Barry's gotten off to a nice start and nurse is getting power play time. They're splitting time. Mm-hmm. With the second unit. Awesome. So, uh, and yeah, like Nurse has always been good enough to play on the power play. It's just the thought was they never wanted to burn him out too much and play him 30 minutes a night, <laughs> right? Cap him at 27, 28 Barry. minutes. So. Um, but yeah, like Barry's gotten off to a good start. That's the most disappointing thing as well. So I think in deeper leagues, you still hold on to him. But if there are better options out there, maybe like a Goss someone who's gotten off to a really good start and has seen a ton of minutes in all the right situations. Um, yeah, you, I think that's a decision that you have to think about because I don't know how much trade value there is right now. Certainly, obviously, you always want to test that market first before you just opt to drop a guy like this. Uh, but yeah, in redraft leagues, I mean, I, I would give it a few more games. But if it doesn't turn, if the ice time doesn't change, like it's gonna—I don't think you can really hold on to him for yeah. too much longer. I think that there's—I think there would be a case to be made to to try to acquire him right now um, for like next to nothing. Like I think you could if you could trade for him and just get him as your like fourth defenseman um, and he does turn it around, like he's still shooting enough where it, it, it could, um, you know, if he does see those extra minutes, then suddenly he becomes a lot better, right? Like, cause like if you're shooting at, you know, three, four shots per game and you're only playing 16 minutes a night, if he does get that bump, like we think he should, then, you know, again, it's kind of like a next level. Yeah. It's just been consistent, which is the concerning thing, right? Yeah, like 16, 16 and a half, half 15, yeah. 14, 16, yeah. 29. So that's the scary part. Like, it seems like it, this is the plan. It just makes no sense yeah. how you're just dropping him four minutes. Right. Like it'd be different yeah. if it was like 20, 10 minutes, like maybe, you know, he had a mm-hmm. terrible game and they, whatever, went away from that pair. But no, it's been consistently 16 minutes a night. It's just so. weird because like they don't even have like that good of a third pair no, like, or no, like second don't. pair. And it just it seems like, I mean, it's his birthday. He's 23 years old now. Yeah. Like, I think he's ready. Yeah. And, and well, he's looked like he was 33 years old since he was 18. Yeah. yeah. He's a dad. Fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is very concerning. It's about as concerning as it gets. Mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, three games. I, in I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For on this list, uh, I, I'm just glad I don't have much stock in this guy. Because, I do. Uh, there, there was a really, you took a really high risk with him. Um, and, 
Yeah. I mean, it's still there. I uh, think he's the, the reward, one. reward could still come, but yeah, it's just uh, personally, I'm glad. He was the one guy that's like, I thought before the year definitely should have been drafted and rostered in all formats. Yeah. And he's the one guy on this list that, like I said, if, if push came to shove right now, like I, I, I'm going to give it a few more games, but I'm pretty close to saying like, I don't know, like you can't wait around for the upside yeah. and redraft. Kind of we're getting close to that get, point. Like, sent somewhere where you could get 25 minutes a night. Like yeah. we're watching JJ Moser put up a point per game in yeah. uh, Arizona right now, getting 25 minutes a night on their blue line. Uh, so, you know, it'd be cool just for fantasy purposes to see Evan over there, see him somewhere better. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's alarming. I don't, uh, I don't usually keep people on my roster who are getting 16 minutes a night. Uh, doesn't matter how deep the good thing is if they keep losing, maybe they'll become sellers and move Barry at the deadline. Here we go. I don't think they're going to keep losing. They're a little bit too good, but uh, we shall see. A couple of their players are too good. Dude, every single time I watch watch an Oilers game, I just cannot believe how good Connor McDavid is. Like, it, it, it honestly just seems like he gets better every game. Sometimes it, it's like, how do you not score four goals It's funny because they so obviously good. haven't been like as big of a powerhouse as um, the, you know, the Lightning, the Avalanche in recent years, even like regular season teams, the Panthers, the Leafs. But the Oilers, more than anyone, I feel like, and maybe it's just because they, they get off to so many bad starts and give up so many big... Uh, you know, get get themselves in so many big holes, but they just feel like the one team that like no lead is safe against, right? Like, they must be so hard to coach because like they must feel like they could just show up at you know at, at the third period and, and take a game, which is kind of what they did but, against Buffalo the yeah. other day. Yeah. Like uh, they had seventy four shots in the third period, I think, and Conry yeah. saved all of them I except for they one. Did that in their first game too that they won? Mm. Uh, they were down and then they were down three nothing to yeah, to yeah. Vancouver, and then they were just like just kidding, and then yeah. that started just an absolute death spiral yeah. for the Canucks. But um, okay, we've got some more concern here as we move down the list uh one guy i think we can gloss Talking over pr- pretty quickly yeah was a lot of goalies to talk about first one's jacob markstrom and his numbers aren't even bad he hasn't even lost a game he just hasn't looked that good um he has an 891 save percentage he's let in a couple softies and for me i have him at a three just because he's still on a team that looks like an absolute wagon but that um they have come out and said that dan vladar is going to start one game a week at the very least so I mean, it's still like a it's still like a sixty forty split. Yeah, well, like uh, it's not terrible. It's not like it's not. It's basically kind of what we expected. Um, but yeah, he's going to be playing. Well, he basic- started. Markstrom started sixty three games last year, so I say that's not quite what we expected, right? Because you would. Yeah, it's that was part of yeah. the va- that was part of the lure of Markstrom, right? Like he's not maybe you know his individual play maybe not quite on that same level as a. Well, obviously Shesterkin, but Vasilevsky and some of the other primo attendees. But yeah, that was a thing, right? We were thinking like sixty starts probably on on what is should be a very good team. So that like that is a little bit concerning. I think that's where the main yeah. point of concern comes. But he did this last year, right? Like he had so so games, and then he had like what ten shutouts, and that's why the numbers looked as good as they did. So not a big shock. I kind of expected him to be close to the nine twelve career save percentage that he had because yeah, those nine shutouts really drove up the nine twenty two save percentage he had last year. Um, and a bit of an anomaly when you look at his career. So for me, he's a workhorse. And, you know, even if it's one start a week, like that's not great, but we're probably still looking at 55 games, right? Yeah. Somewhere around there. So should still be getting a lot of starts on what you said, a a very good hockey team. So really not concerned, but I I do think it just kind of drives home the fact that like, I don't think he's going to be able to deliver splits on the same level as like a Shesterkin or, or a Vasilevsky, but still going to get a lot of wins and a ton of starts behind that team. I think there's a lot of people reading pretty heavily too into Markstrom not getting the start in that Edmonton game. Uh, we, we, it's kind of known though that Markstrom, you know, 
kind of struggles in the Battle of Alberta, so why not go with Dan, uh, Dan Vladar. Vladar? It worked. Uh, my level of concern here was a 2.5. I wanted to make it a 2.25 because that's actually what Dan Vladar signed for this morning. And you don't sign a 2.25 uh, million dollar contract for two years without knowing you are the backup. That's why I don't think we really have to worry about. It's crazy Mark because they have Dustin Wolf too. Who's they like, do? Who's? Uh, I'm just surprised they signed him. Yeah, it makes. Uh, I feel like Wolf might get moved at the trade deadline if this team's you know making a super big push. It could. It, they might be. Uh, they might be the showing their chips uh, or showing their cards a little bit early there. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think people should be worried. I think if anything, the a little bit of rest might do Markstrom well if he can I think uh, that's kind of what they're thinking they're like crushed. we don't need to play Markstrom 63 yeah. games and have him wear down for the playoffs we might as well yeah I think we're gonna see Calgary win a lot of games this the year. extension is weird like I don't think anyone thought they needed to sign Vladar to an extension no no yeah it, it just so random they're like oh we're gonna play him a little bit more this year than you guys thought and, and you know what we're actually just gonna sign him for a couple more years just out of nowhere it's like um, at an actual cap it like Maybe he is better than he's shown at this point, but like he doesn't deserve anything more than the minimum based off his career track record. Yeah, no, it was it was it kind of came out of the blue. It wasn't didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he looked really like he. I guess that's what happens when you beat the Oilers and you're a Calgary goalie. It's just like gotta sign, sign him. him. He's starting every Battle of Alberta until the end of time. Yeah, um, that's like in it, his contract. And you've got you've got Markstrom locked up for another three years after this too. So it's like that's a big commitment to those two between the pipes um but anyways yeah like i i just think he looks a little bit shaky at times so far and then if, if ladar is really going to eat into that that usage as much as they say he's going to then yeah it's a it's a little bit concerning there yeah. uh uc saros is oh sorry uh markstrom from the fans we kind of skipped over this bouchard had a 5.8 uh concern level from the fans so that's the only one i believe that we're a little bit more concerned about um, then the fans, Markstrom, they were at a 4.2. We're at a 2.5. Saros, we're at a 4. The fans are at a 4.1. Um, Dylan, you're the most worried about UC Saros. I'm assuming this has to do with the fact that um, you're just not a huge believer in that Predators team. Just before we throw it over to you really quickly, he's 1-2-1 and one, um, with a 3.0 goals against average and 8.97 save percentage uh, through four games. Two of those, or one of those games was overseas against the uh, Sharks. He won that one, and then he came home, and the Dallas Stars made tonight. Yeah, they made him their little child, um, <laughs> just decimated him in back-to-back starts, and then he gave up three in a shootout loss to the Kings. Looked good. They had that game in hand, and then the Kings stormed back late to give him a third straight yeah. L. And already going back to Lankinen tonight without really any back-to-backs in sight. So that I think was, they were just trying to give Saros a night off just to didn't go just, well but it's for weird that like the, I mean that they're giving him a night off already. But yeah, um, yeah. So one like I don't know if he's going to be. I mean, I, I would say almost certainly like already he won't be as much of a workhorse as he was last year. He started sixty-seven games, which is just insane. Um, so yeah, don't expect um, him to be anywhere near that this year. Um, and I think he really needs to be at his very best for this team um, or for him to be able to return anywhere near like the 35 or even 38 wins that he got last year. Because, yeah, I don't think this team's going to score a lot of goals, and I think even if he returns his very good career save percentage of 919, um, you know, with slightly less starts, like you're looking at a guy who's, you know, maybe going to get you 30 wins. So I just don't think – and, you know, I've I've got him in a league. I I don't think he's the clear-cut. Um, I think we had him like him and Markstrom are right outside. You know, they were kind of leading that that next tier of goalies after Shesterkin and Vasilevsky. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I just I don't think he's in that that category anymore. Um, I think his biggest value at this point is the fact that he is a workhorse, but um, he's hardly alone in that category. So yeah, I, I just don't think he's in that you know elite 
up echelon of goalie, still going to be a very usable goalie for the rest of the year. But another guy that if I could get close to draft day value for him, I, I'd be looking to move him because I just don't feel great about that team. I don't think he's going to get a lot of goal support this year. Just to um, reiterate, like you think he's an elite actual goalie, yeah. but not an elite fantasy option this year yeah not this year and i still think he's very good like i still think he'll end up being like you know probably towards the bottom end of the top 10 fantasy net miners yeah. because he's going to play a lot of hockey and you know they're not going to be a bad team they'll probably still be fighting for a playoff spot but i don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year i don't think he's going to get as many goals for him i don't think he's going to win as many games and he's not going to get as many starts just looking at the uh adps moving forward would you rather have uc saros or jake Conger? they're drafted one spot behind each other hmm Probably still Soros. I was really low on Ottinger. He was my bust at that. He looks terrific so far. I I think I'd have to go Ottinger just because of the team in front. But like, I'm more or less like trying to die on the hill that I had preseason. Fair enough. I would do the same. But no, I I think they're they're both right around that same territory. Whereas like like I said, preseason I was much much higher on on Soros uh, Soros than than Ottinger. What about? Frederick Anderson, would you rather have Anderson? Freddie, I, I had oh, Freddie as my number three. Okay. I would rather have Freddie right now than I had Freddie ranked above Mark Schumann, Soros in the preseason. Yeah. Freddie's a freak. But I wasn't here for the goalie episode of Toot That Horn. So. Oh, that's true. Um, okay, Biebs, you had um, Soros at a level yes. four. You were not very concerned about him. I was going to be a little bit more concerned originally tonight. We had uh, we had Nashville going into the third period. Up 3-1. Kevin Lankinen playing like a freak. Uh, he was at like 30-something shots. They just lost 5-3. I had uh, so much money on Columbus. I absolutely loved it. Goals. So, uh, four straight third-period goals, which, you know, kind of is the MO for Kevin Lankinen. He is not great. That's so, why I had so much money on uh, Columbus. Yeah, it's, uh, that could happen at any time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm not, not super worried about Saros. I mean, I still have him at a four. Realistically, that's one of my higher ratings. Um, I... I yeah, maybe not. It's a little bit lower, um, but it's just uh, it's 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 the the workhorse thing. That's about it. That's why I got him there. I just I think there there's there's so many goalies this year who are just thrown in the bag, and I think skill wise, I just got to keep him there. Uh, you know, I, but personally, another guy that I don't have shares in, and I'm very pleased with it. Because uh, yeah, because I would definitely not be starting him. I definitely anyone who lives in Texas. Right I, now. I did not get uh, him in any drafts, and I really, really wanted him. So yeah. maybe it was for the best. You would have had to almost reach. And, I, uh, I only have him at a two. I just still think that UC Starros is one of the best goalies in the world, and he's going to give the Nashville Predators a good chance to win every single night that he gets the start. The games might have to be one, two to one, but he's still one of the best. I think we're a little too sour on UC Starros, a little bit of a sluggish start. He has been literally the model of consistency between the pipes since he broke into the NHL. But like, that team has been very good since he broke in. Yeah, they've always been kind of like a middle of the pack. I still don't think they're bad. I still yeah. think they're a, they're going to still be middle of the pack team this year, don't you think? You don't. You think they're? I, I said middle of the pack. Yeah. I said I think they'll be battling for a playoff spot. That's, that's not as good as they've been in the last his career. They've been. They've not been a much slam dunk better. for a playoff spot. Yeah. They've been better. They were better. Maybe that's a big better. difference when we're talking about fantasy. Like difference between a fifty-one team and a forty-one team. That's a big difference. I, I just think that they're yeah. I think it, I'm a little a team, higher. I think it's we'll a team always... position. Like that that's how I feel about fantasy net miners. No, and it, I, I just don't like the Preds this year. So I think I'm a little bit higher on the Predators and obviously UC Star is still being um, I hope they turn around. I got Forsberg in a couple of There you go. All right. Uh Thatcher Demko off to a really sluggish start. Um Demko is, you know, had a really strong finish to the end of last year, but so far he's 03 and 0 with a 448 goals against average and an Ooh. 847 save Ooh. percentage. He is looking significantly better this evening. Um they're currently up 3 to 2, so they're only up by 1, which should help them preserve the lead. But uh 
At the moment, with 12 minutes remaining, he has stopped 20 of 22 to give him a 909 save percentage on the night. So still not enough to get his save percentage above 900 on the season, but he looked a lot better tonight. But uh, our level of concern overall, uh, I had him at a 7. You guys both had him at a 6. I, I think a part of it for me, and I think there's going to be a little bit of a theme here as we move through these, these last couple goalies, at least for me, is I think Spencer Martin is a lot better than people give him credit for. I think Spencer Martin is going to see his fair share of starts. I think Spencer Martin's a pretty decent goalie. And uh, that's my only real concern. The, 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 the Canucks have still played very, very well. Um, you know, the bad news is that they've blown three double-digit goal leads, or not double-digit, uh, three multi-goal leads or four multi-goal leads in a row. The good news is, though, that they've had four multi-goal leads. So they're obviously a good team. The defensive metrics still look pretty strong. I believe like it's small sample size, but they were still in the upper half of the league in terms of defensive metrics. So there's, there is um, a lot to build on here. And Demko's obviously shown that he's, he's a kind of a world-class goalie in the past. So I, I still think, like honestly, I think I've talked myself down to having him around a, a at least a, fl- a five. Oh, we're seeing, we're seeing the change table it. change here. Yeah, because I, I, uh, yeah. I, I think like... I think the Canucks are a pretty good team. You ready? You ready to maybe change it a little bit more? Yeah. Tyler Myers has only played one game. Yeah, uh, that helps. He is arguably their best defensive defenseman. The most arbitrary rookie of the year of um, all time. I mean, I, I, but me also saying, you know, that he's one of their best defensive defensemen kind of goes against, kind of goes with another point, which is why I have him at six. I think that the Canucks blue line is not good. You're current, they're pumping out Luke Shen in their top unit. Um, this is Luke Shen of now, not Luke Shen of drafted first round by the Leafs that was decent a couple years ago that was uh had a good just, rookie year that yeah was about yeah it. that was about it speaking uh, of Tyler Myers Luker um but yeah I uh I, I just say I, I don't love the Vancouver team I think they're we're gonna watch uh, a tire fire go down as Bruce Brujo gets I, I see him getting fired in the next I would couple. argue that Luke Shen's better now than he was he's better before. now than he was like five <laughs> years ago I think this ago. is the best Luke uh, Shen we've ever seen this is best Luke Shen since rookie year Luke Shen playing with Quinn Hughes does that though that helps yeah that'll uh, he's just staying home that's all it is he doesn't have to do anything on the offense which is fine uh, and I'm just surprised he's still in the show but he, he, he's making it work he had a really good year last year he, he like, well, a solid year he actually yeah he, oh, he completely deserves to be there it's just wild um, you're also at a six too yeah yeah why um I mean, there's some concern. Like, I didn't think the Canucks were a great team. Like, you know, it's yep. another, I think, middling team. They're going to be battling for a playoff spot. Um, and I think, you know, another guy whose value was being in a workhorse, I, I think Spencer Martin isn't that – I mean, he could be. He had a good, what it was, five or six games last year, but really no track record aside from that. He's 27 years old. So I don't think he's a big threat to Demko's job. But I also think, you know, they would like to not have to start Demko or play him 64 games a year like they did last year. So – Another guy that I just think is going to get slightly less work than he did the year before. Um, and I think his performance was a big reason why, um, or, you know, I, I think his performance is going to be a driving factor in the team's performance, which isn't something that, you know, we have to say about. You want them to carry him a little bit. Yeah, a lot of great fantasy net miners. Again, it, it's a team position. Like, you're basically getting, like, yes, it's the goaltender stats, but you need a good team in front of you in order to be a good fantasy net minder. Um, so yeah, I, I think if he's, you know, not performing at an above average level, it's going to get really bad really quick. Like it's been, uh, if he can get back up to it, then it'll be pretty good. Cause they'll probably play a lot of games, um, and they'll win, you know, at least every other one. So yeah, um, I'm not super concerned, but it's obviously not a great start, but yeah, you would, ex- you know, it's, you're not going to write him off after three games. So obviously he needs to play better. We would expect him to, we'll revisit this in a week or two. Uh, somebody who has not played well uh, at all is Mark Andre Fleury. Um, 
our worry level is a 4.7. The fans are at a 7.1, the highest of any player we are going to talk about. And it's pretty easy to see why. I don't know if I've ever seen numbers quite like this. Coming into this evening, he had an 8.37 goals against average. I like how you start saying that. It's like, oh, that's a pretty bad save percentage. Yeah. Right? You say goals against average. <laughs> exactly. And a 7.76, or yes, 7.76 save percentage. Again, he started tonight. It was Demko versus Flurry. Um, not a great battle. As we speak here, um, Demko just gave up a goal, so he's now given up three on 25, mm. so level of concern is rising. Yeah, it's back up. Um, Fleury's given up three again. Uh, at, well, three again. The three's like actually good news for him. Yeah. He's, he's but he's given up three well. on 21 shots. So, so the, the concerns period? are he's been absolutely terrible, yes. and he's going to be turning 38 this year. Yes. Yeah. Two massive concerns. Huge concerns. And uh, Philip Gustafson, I think, is fairly decent. That's where we start to disagree. I think he's bad. He's tall. And mediocre at best. He's not Jonas Johansson. He's very and Fleury tall. is better than mediocre at best. So I think that um, there's not a whole lot of threat to his job. I think, obviously, if he's going out there and giving up eight goals a game. Philip Gustafson, 5.06 goals against average, 8.60 save percentage thus far as well. It's much better. It's better. <laughs> but yeah, there's no, there's no real threat here. Like This team needs to get Flurry right or they need to trade for another goalie. Um, like Cam Talbot. Yeah, so Cam yeah, Talbot. exactly, right? But no, I and unlike the last two teams, like this is a, a team, the group of 18 skaters that I feel pretty good about. I know they've had some issues on defense this year. Would expect them to turn that around. Like I think that blue line is just too good on paper for them not to figure it out and that should hopefully help Flurry a little bit. Um, but yeah, the most concerning thing is that he's 38 and it's like, okay, has he just fallen off, right? Like has it finally happened? He's way past the age curve as it is. Um, but I'm not that concerned. One, because you didn't draft that, you didn't invest as much draft capital as you would have had to with a guy like Demko or Soros. And yeah, I just don't think currently on that depth chart, Gustafson. Uh, Flurry was drafted player. 52 overall. He was higher than yeah. Demko, much higher than Demko. So then Soros is where I should have stopped that. Yes. Sentence, but. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> I thought only 11 spots. I thought Flurry was closer to the century mark. So yeah, no. there's some real concern. There's there, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, you could probably tell I wouldn't have taken him that high, but. Um, yeah, I still think this is going to be someone who's going to be a solid starting fantasy netminder so long as he <laughs> figures it out to a certain degree. Because if not, I think they're going to have to look at making a move because this can totally throw away a, a whole prime playoff season. For yeah, them they, if they can't figure out their netminding. Again, small sample size. They're still top 10 in defensive uh, metrics at 5v5. Wow. Yeah. So like, if you're, if you're still a pretty decent defensive team and you're just not getting any stops, that's where... It gets concerning. And, but no front office wants to make that kind of switch this early in the season, right? No. So he's going to get every opportunity to get right. And he doesn't he need to be to good. Like, a good defensive team. That's what I mean. He could, he doesn't need to be good. Like, he could be league average. And with that team in front of him, he's going to be a really solid fantasy netminder. So uh, that's the goal for Fleury is can he get back to mediocre? Um, and Just we'll don't have a save percentage in the sevens <laughs> yeah. and the goals against so that, average. That's why I'm less concerned because I don't think he really needs to play well to be that fantasy relevant. He just needs to not be... Uh, you know, Swiss cheese in there. Yes, absolutely. Or Beebs, anything to add on? Uh, uh, I just love to see it happen. I mean, when you're <laughs> when you're watching Minnesota give up this many goals this early as a Colorado fan, uh, there are, there are little things uh, that beautiful. Uh, I I would just uh, I have my rating at a six. Uh, D mentioned it. This is a high thirties year old goalie. We watched him realistically just get lit up in Chicago last year. Um, a little bit different of a, of a situation, but I think that as a, as the age goes up, the talent level 
slowly goes down, and we get closer to Chicago Marc-Andre Fleury, even if he's not on that team. Um, I, I just I, I think that a lot of people, like you said, you know, we draft they draft him at 52nd overall on average. I think a lot of people draft him as their first goalie, and if you're in that point right now, you are you're probably 0-1 because you lost every goalie category. And you're likely panicking right now and looking to move uh, someone that you also drafted quite high. So it's just, I think he just really put, he's putting his owners in a, in a terrible position. And after seeing three goals already tonight, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh, yeah, the concern level's high. Yeah, that's why I don't draft goaltenders who are close to retiring. Uh, it's not really, not really a good M.O. Not what you're looking for? Fantasy production. <laughs> All right. The last guy that we're going to talk about is Jeremy Swayman. Swayman got absolutely lit up um, in Ottawa the other night. He just looked awful. Um, again, some more stats that are just quite ugly. 5.4 goals against average, 8.16 save percentage through two starts. Not, not, not a big sample size. Yes. But honestly, my level of concern has n- almost nothing to do with Jeremy Swayman and Same. everything to do with Linus Allmark. Allmark has looked fantastic already. And then tonight he comes out and put on another dazzling performance. He stopped 30 of 31 in a win over the Ducks. He's been absolutely terrific. So my concern is less about Jeremy Swayman um, and more about just how good Linus Allmark's been. We were talking about how this was already probably going to be a 50-50 split. And if it leans any way towards Allmark, then you're looking at him being on the small side of maybe a 50, uh, of a 60-40 split. And then that's just not good news for a guy that you took, you know, as a low-end number one, high-end number two option. His ADP was 75.7, where Allmark was down at 148.3. So if you invested in Allmark instead of Swayman, then you're looking uh, pretty good in the early going. I still think Swayman's going to bounce back. That's a very good Bruins hockey team. Swayman's going to still be valuable. Um, I just don't know how many starts you're going to get out of him moving forward if Allmark continues to play well. I don't think they're going to go crazy. Like Allmark's not going to turn into a workhorse. But if Swayman's only giving you one start a week because Allmark's starting the other two, then you've got some concerns. Yeah, for sure. And like one of the biggest points of concern is this, you know, Allmark was clearly ahead to start the season, right? He got the start on yep. opening night, so Swayman was playing catch-up, and obviously yeah. it's just gone more and more in Allmark's favor. Although so their head coach did come out and say through the first four games he was going to go um, back. He was going to go back and forth, but that almost makes it worse for Swayman yeah. now because he didn't go back and forth. No. Um, that just shows how well Allmark played and how, you know, not yeah, well Swayman played. It's kind of like he, he shouldn't back, come he, out and just... He went back and forth. And, yeah, okay. yeah, he went back and forth. They, they alternated the first four starts. The first four were, yeah, yeah, they did. And then Allmark, uh, Swayman got yanked. Allmark went in. Right. And then Allmark started tonight. Yeah. So if, if Allmark starts the next one, which I would imagine he will. After tonight. After tonight, yeah. after after Swayman getting lit in, in Ottawa. I'm just trying to see who they, they play against the Wild on Saturday. So 7-1 I mean, victory incoming. Yeah. 21 <laughs> shots on net. Flurry just getting lit. Yeah. Um, it'd be crazy actually if Minnesota wins tonight and... Vancouver just blows another third period lead. Yeah, I think uh, I think just to jump back to Swayman really quick though, there, there's there's limited times that you're going to see a goalie where he has starter potential, but is also under 24 years old, and I think that um, is kind of it, it bodes well for him in his career long term, but realistically, it doesn't bode well for him in fantasy. Um, he can definitely afford to be a backup this year. It's not going to hurt him, and if he comes back next year and he's 24 and he's their starter, he's still have a 24 year old starter. Uh, who got you know twenty to thirty games played the year before? So uh, 
A little bit concerning. I was a uh, I was a big sway man to come into the year. Yeah, so. he was your breakout. He I was. Um, and now I'm, I'm sitting here because I I personally did not believe in Linus Allmark, and I think Linus heard me because Linus is pissed. Yeah, Linus is yeah. pissed. Um, okay, so that's gonna do it for the um level of concern the guys have started off slow uh just to reiterate jeremy swayman 5.6 from the fans um but yeah that's gonna do it for that segment again if you missed wednesday's episode with just me and beebs uh me and beebs will be doing episodes on monday and wednesday and then we'll have a full show with d um coming out on friday morning so three episodes per week if you missed Wednesdays, what we're going to be doing is Monday is going to be taking a look at what just happened on the weekend, breaking down any of the notable events from the, the weekend that just happened, and then we're going to just kind of preview the week that's upcoming, give you a couple of streaming options to pick up for, for Monday and Wednesday's game. Wednesday is what we're called calling Waiver Wire Wednesday. We're going to dedicate the entire episode to breaking down the waiver wire and, and trying to find you guys some long-term solutions, but also just taking a deeper dive into the waiver wire, finding guys under 10%, finding guys under 5% that'll you know be available in some of the deeper leagues. We had somebody reach out and say, you talked about a bunch of guys, but they're all not available in my league. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper there on Wednesdays. And then as we said, Fridays with D will be a full show every single week. And D will always be in coming with his... Weekend streamers, and here he is. Take it away, D. That was such a good setup, Brock. Uh, but I am going to ask you one Twitter question first. Oh, okay. Um, loyal follower reached out with a big time trade offer, and I it just I feel like it's to the degree where it just has to be reviewed on the show. So, uh, big fan of the podcast, but had a question. Uh, this is from loyal listener Brendan Kirby. So, thanks Sup. for the support, Brendan. Sup, B-Dog. Uh, I was just offered Kaprizov and Panarin for McDavid. Scoring in the league is lame. Strictly assists and goals long-term. Is this trade good for me, or is McDavid's upside too valuable to ever trade? I mean, I'm assuming this is a points league if it's just goals and assists. Yeah, if it's, like, if it's just one for a goal, one for an assist, uh, I, you have to. Yeah. I, I, you have to. I would say, um, assuming this isn't like a super small league, like anything like eight teams or smaller, then it's still probably not worth it because you, know, you could probably – like. The production you're getting out of those two roster spots, like it's probably worth holding McDavid still. But anything like close to a normal sized redraft league, I, I think this is a trade that you do. I think Kaprizov, um, his like a legit hundred point player. I think Panarin could be that this season. Obviously, going to be more assist heavy. Uh, but if goals and assists are considered equal, um, then yeah, I, I think this is a, a bit of a, a no brainer. Obviously, you have to think about trading McDavid. But I mean, if you're ever going to get McDavid, it has to be a return like this. So yeah, like if you can't fit somehow Panarin and, and um, Kaprizov in your lineup like every single night or like, you have yeah. to bench somebody really well, good. Well, like, like, that's the in only In an eighteen way. league, then maybe you're dropping like a 70-point guy to for, for the roster spot, right? And maybe at that point, it's not worth yeah. it. Right. Yeah. But in like 10, 12, 14-team leagues, like I, I think you should absolutely do that. Yeah. It, definitely in like category leagues or points leagues where you're rewarding other things aside from just goals and assists, then, you know, maybe you want to think twice about it. But I think in this sort of setup, all things created equal, uh, you know, you take the two... Uh, you know, one top five player in Kaprasov, borderline top 10, top 15 player in Panarin for the rest of the season. Uh, and Panarin sh- looks great. Yeah. Say, yeah. Just to give you some idea. So coming into the season, it was, mod- was a modest estimate. Panarin had, I had Panarin projected for a hundred points coming into the year. I had McDavid projected for 126. So it's only a 26 point differential there. And then you've got Kaprizov projected for 97 points. Yeah. So it's about a uh, 70 point differential 
So even if you really are dropping a 70-point player, um, it's still probably worth doing. But if you're dropping somebody significantly worse, you're dropping a 50-point guy, a 45-point guy that's at the bottom of your roster in a deeper league, then this is a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, as, as tough as it is to trade McDavid, obviously this guy is that's offering this trade really, really wants Connor. But uh, yeah, like if you're getting Panarin and, and, and Kaprizov, especially with the way that Panarin's looked to start. Even like... Panarin, if he could stay healthy alone, like will probably be pretty close to McDavid's point production. For sure. Right, like the last three years, Panarin's been averaging 110 points over 82 games. He just hasn't been able to play a full 82. Yeah. Like mostly not his fault, COVID and all that fun stuff. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Like so, I don't. He's like himself, just pure points wise, uh, isn't that far off McDavid, and he's you know the lesser player getting back because obviously we all love Kaprizov. So, uh, yeah, just thought that was a super interesting. Um, question because you don't hear a lot of legitimate trade offers for McDavid. Yeah, I was going to say often. props that other owner for actually giving us something that was honestly like, like I've never even considered it. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever even been like, yeah, like this guy's not trading well, me Connor McDavid. Like I would things that can yeah. like yeah. But never, all right, streams, streaming, streams, weekend, right. weekend streams. So it is the classic weekend schedule. We got three games on Friday, thirteen games on Saturday, five games on Sunday. Um, so obviously we're looking at ways to get you some potential extra points into your lineup on Friday and Sunday. We got four teams rocking that ideal streamer schedule. If we're looking to keep it to just one acquisition for the two extra games. So, uh, we got Detroit, Chicago, Florida, and Seattle. We'll go through it team by team quickly here. Detroit, we talked about last week, not a whole lot of, uh, availability in that top six aside from Andrew Kopp. That has changed thanks to the injury to Tyler Bertuzzi. Speedy recovery. Jakob Verona yeah. also out True. as well. Yeah. He's uh, He was added to the NHL. I don't even remember what the list is called, but he's out. Bertuzzi's the only one I really care about because it allowed Dominic Kubalik to jump yeah, up so- to that top line. Left wing, right wing eligibility, 4% own. Top line with Larkin and Raymond. 19 minutes, two apples in Monday's game. He scored tonight, right? Or they no. didn't play tonight. Didn't play tonight. We also recommended him as a pickup on Wednesday's show as a right wing pickup. So yeah. hopefully some people already jumped the gun and, and have him on the roster because it's a beautiful setup for the weekend. Yeah. You replied to my message about Kubelik like at seven thirty saying Kubelik in all caps. So I thought he had scored and they were playing, but I now realize you were just that excited about. Uh, uh, it was actually Biebs that was that, was that me excited. Guessing it. Yeah. Nice. I just got all excited because. Uh, oh, there you go. You know, I don't guess side. things right often. There you go. Yeah. Um. Chicago, moving on. Yeah, nothing else in Detroit that's really worth um, taking a look at. Um, I'm really not interested, again, in Andrew Kopp. Sorry, Brock. Uh, or any of that second line, so long as Vrana is out. But Kubelik playing the top line with Larkin and Lucas Raymond. Um, and just might be playing his way on that top power play unit. Not yet, but you would They're assume. kind of going with like a 1A, 1B power play unit. He's on go. the unit with Larkin, I believe. So oh, He doesn't get the big fellows? Larkin is the big fella. Oh, you are right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's in a nice spot, uh, and um, they got a couple of uh, of not the worst matchups this weekend. So uh, moving on, we got Chicago. Uh, Max Domi, I think, is probably the only one worth mentioning here. Detroit has very good matchups. Chicago and Anaheim. Yeah. <laughs> you like it. Uh, Domi gets to play Detroit on uh, on uh, on Friday, but four uh, percent owned for Max Domi as well. Triple position eligibility. Not that that really matters on a three game slate. Uh, 18 minutes a night, top line and power play with Kane. He obviously has his downfalls, doesn't like to shoot the puck. That team's not great, but he is the one guy in their top six that's doing the double duty right now, 5v5 and power play time with Patrick Kane. Um, so he's the one guy that I would I would really look at, uh, which is funny because everyone aside from Kane and Seth Jones are 6% owned or lower, uh, which kind of tells you something about the state of the Blackhawks right not now. Not great. Uh, but I would honestly only opt for the likes of Taze, Tyler Johnson, Radish, or Athanasiu in the very deepest of leagues, assuming that all these other options we're going to talk about 
our, our roster. So, uh, yeah, Domi, really the only one. Um, probably worth taking a stab at there. Yep, I agree. Uh, Florida, moving on. Friday, Sunday as well. Uh, Verhage at 45%, if available. Definitely the best streaming option this weekend. I think we all agree he should actually just be rostered yep. in standard yeah. side leagues. Grab Carter. Yeah, but a great option this weekend, if available, or if you're in a shallower league. Uh, on the top line with Barkov. Uh, in banger block shots leagues, Racco Gudis is certainly an option as well at 58% owned. Uh, you laugh, but he is a monster no, and banger I'm block laughing. shots. Did leagues. you see that picture of Radko today in the uh, in the alternate jersey? It's him with these glasses on, looking all super chill with like a beach behind him or like a, a water thing. Just and not it, the vibe you associate with Radko Gudis. It's him in the reverse Gudis, retro, and yeah. it makes me want to buy the already best reverse retros out there even more. So that's why I was giggling about Radko. No, it's a great that. suggestion. I think if if he's available to Gustav Forsling, like obviously you're not always looking to stream a defenseman. Um, but he played 26 minutes in the first game without Ekblad. He had five shots. He's been a shot volume machine. So you're still going to get some production out of him if, if you know somebody like Verhage isn't available. I would imagine that Forsling's own percentage has, has ri- risen quite a bit here since the Ekblad news. So chances are probably pretty slim. But it's worth mentioning he picked up an assist, 26 minutes, another five shots on goal. Did have three blocks as well. He's 65% owned. So he's gone up 10% in one day. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly an option as well if he is available or in shallower leagues. Uh, Colin White, center right wing, 4% owned, should be available. Not getting a ton of opportunity under 12 minutes a night, but he's gotten off to a really good start. Two goals, two assists in four games. Uh, and we've seen steady production come from Florida's bottom six in recent years. You know, just look at Mason Marchment last year. So uh, third line with Lundell in the second power play unit. Not my top option, but certainly a viable choice this weekend. Uh, and then finally, we got the Kraken. Uh, Seattle giving us plenty of streaming options. It's what they do. Only Beneers and Burakovsky are over 50% owned right now on that team. Uh, but Jorkstrand, 29%. Schwartz, 17%. McCann, 15%. Wenberg, 1%. All see steady top six in power play minutes. All viable options this weekend. Um, Bjorkstrand. Overall, if Bjorkstrand and Verhege, they'd be my top two recommendations if they are available. Um, more realistic tarts, I'd, I'd rank the guys below 20% ownership as follows. Kubelik, Schwartz, Wenberg, Domi, McCann, White. I don't know if you guys feel any differently about that bunch. Yeah. All about opportunity. I was right there with you the whole way, so. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and then finally, just real quickly, get into some back-to-backs. Uh, there are five teams with the back-to-back, either Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. Colorado, Friday, Saturday against Seattle and Vegas. Franzos, 51% should get a game. Shallower leagues, he's definitely worth the spot start. Uh not the hottest start in terms of Francois versus Georgiev so far. Georgiev definitely off to a pretty strong early lead there. Uh, but I'm still holding on to Francois in standard yeah. leagues. And, yeah, you'll get a game out of him this weekend. Uh, should be a pretty nice start there. Should be the next one. Yeah. Uh, Columbus Saturday, Sunday against Pittsburgh and the Rangers. No thanks. Islanders <laughs> Saturday, Sunday against Tampa and Florida. Uh, also no thanks. I mean, maybe you could throw Varlamov in there. Uh, he's probably rostered already, though. Uh, Sorokin, you're definitely going to start either way. But yeah, in terms of the spot. Sorokin, apparently, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the game, but he looked incredible tonight. The Devils peppered him with like 45 shots. He made 42 saves or something like that. So either way, it's not a great matchup, but he's just such a good goaltender that you're going to plug him in there either way. Shots were 41 and 17. Yeah. It's wild. Um, so yeah, Varlamov, I mean, hopefully Varlamov gets the Sunday start so you can kind of really see whether or not you need to take the risk and put him in there. Um, but again, not widely available by any means. So moving on in terms of the spot starts, we got Philly Saturday, Sunday against Nashville and San Jose. Felix Sandstrom, 2% owned, uh, should have a good chance of picking up a win, assuming he starts Sunday against the Sharks. Flyers have actually looked half decent so far this year. 
John Tortorella, coach of the year. There you go. Uh, and then finally, Tampa, Friday, Saturday against Florida and the Islanders. Brian Elliott, once again, the top spot start this weekend, assuming he gets Saturday's game against the Isles. Uh, I think that's a really nice spot for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one thing, too, if you're a Carter Hart owner, um, Tortorella did say he has no problem starting a goalie on a back-to-back if, if you know, it kind of makes sense. And Sandstrom I would argue the first week of the year does not make sense. No, but ever. he's John Tortorella, so, you know. <laughs> With a 23-year-old goalie, crazy, however old Hart is. Crazy shit. Probably doesn't make sense, but we'll Considering see. Considering you have King Felix. Yeah, and that. again, Sandstrom would be like an okay option, right? Oh, it's, sucks, if, there's some Obviously, there's a threat to your splits, yeah. but they're going to be a heavy favorite to win that game against the Sharks. So if you need the win, or if it's a points leagues, I would roll with Sandstrom if he gets the start against San Jose. Uh, you know, assuming you need the start, because that is, uh, it'll probably be Sunday's game. So yeah, you could fit him in. Yeah, it'll definitely be Sunday's game. You're not going to uh, start him back-to-back. Or two in a row. I, w- I would hope not. So um, Carter Hart's 24, by the way. But that's going to do it for season. Oh, I got one crazy thing to let you guys know. So tonight, Montreal won 6-2. Can you guess how many assists they got across their whole team? I've oh, n- I saw it earlier. I have they, never it, seen anything I think like three. Three. Yeah. Wow. Across six goals. They had four unassisted Genos. I-, I actually had to check the game three different times to see if, you know, like, how is this even possible? Mm-hmm. Um, One of them was a penalty shot. Yeah, that, oh, that's it. And then an open net, uh, unassisted goal. But no, I, I thought I'd bring that up because it's still kind of making my brain go mush. So if uh, I played them in DraftKings and it was like every time I'm like, oh, Caulfield scored, definitely got Suzuki assist. Oh, Suzuki, oh, he scored a penalty. Nope. Just no apples. Sounds like some questionable turnovers in that game it's, without yeah. having watched it at all. Four unassisted goals. It's but. a really weird scoring night considering Pittsburgh also put up six and only one player had more than one point in that game. So yeah. We're we're gonna go into we're gonna go into Friday with some with some weird score lines, but uh, at that point, I'll let you guys go. Season eight, episode ten. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here to me and Beebs on Monday morning. I'm Roxy. You got Dylan D. Birthday to my right, Michael Beebs Bondy to my left. Until Monday, have a good weekend. Just don't panic, guys. Just don't panic. Peace. Baby, be my fire. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.